In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Digital Doers, OGGN Digital Doers Podcast. Um, really glad to be back today. Hope you caught our last um, session when we talked with Dick Hanna at HASC. Um, I think we're, we're about to cover the entire history of uh, kind of oil and gas a little bit today. Um, we talked about safety, which has been an issue since the mid-1800s when oil was first found up in Pennsylvania. Uh, safety's always been an issue. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, more modern uh, issues and some that are very, very relevant and very timely and have become particularly important just in the last couple of years. And I have a couple of folks with me here today on the OGGN Digital uh, Doers podcast. And just uh, want to be sure and give a shout out to our sponsor, HPE. Um, they are bringing the cloud to you through their new GreenLake capability. So with that, I'd like to um, let my two guests, which is uh, Jason Wright with Avatar and David Powell with ProtoScore, um, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves and we'll get right into things, okay? So Jason, would you go first? Great. Thanks, Joanne, for having us. Uh, Jason Wright, President and CEO of Avatar Computer Solutions. We are IT services, IT outsourcing, all things IT for small to medium businesses and especially focused around the oil and gas, uh, upstream, midstream uh, sector, heavy industrial. So th that's Avatar Computer Solutions. David? Yeah, David Powell, um, president of ProtoScore. Nice to meet everyone. You know, um, ProtoScore is an employee productivity monitoring platform, and I've been in the industry for 20 plus years. Uh, for the record, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, went to the University of Alabama. I know that oil and gas is big in Texas, so we probably have some Aggies and some Longhorns listening today. So for our for the Aggies, you know, good job taking it to us last year and to the Longhorns. Look forward to the third game of the season. It's coming year when we play out there in Austin. So hook them, um, baby. <laughs> so anyway, look forward to the conversation today. And just for uh, for complete disclosure here, I'm a Sooner. I know you <laughs> Sooner. So, so just to get all bases covered that's, here. That's good. <laughs> let's get, let's uh, some football powerhouses for sure. That's right. Um, okay. So, you know, what I'd like to do is, um, Jason, give you a little bit, you know, you, you had some big news in the last uh, couple of weeks. So I'd like to hear a little bit about why Avatar, what was behind that and, um, and how that's going. Yeah. So I've spent my entire career on the service provider side of the IT ecosystem, providing uh, solutions, managed services, data-driven solutions, applications, and so forth to folks on the commercial side of IT. And 
had recently acquired Avatar Computer Solutions. The company's been around 30 years, very strong base of customers. And so first responders, corporate first responders, historically um, troubleshooting PCs, network issues, uh, issues related to servers. We remediate security issues, restore down computer systems for our clients. And that's been really the core of what we've done for a really long time. Uh, however, looking at the next generation of solution providers, it's really based more about outcomes for businesses and how do we drive those outcomes. And so, you know, we've always been good in our industry at the reactive side of the business, right? You, you heard me call it corporate first responders. We're, we're like the paramedics of the corporate world. Pro when, when there are problems in the IT environment, you call us, we re respond, troubleshoot, remediate issues. Uh, but as a industry, we have historically never been really strong on the proactive side of driving IT innovation. And so my main impetus in acquiring Avatar Computer Solutions was really to kind of disrupt the IT managed services business with uh, applications and services that really use data-driven insights um, to add value and specifically around employee engagement and employee productivity because we all know the horror we've been through the last two, two and a half years with the pandemic and how it's really kind of uh, driven people and businesses into the home office. Um, uh, this is a trend that's really now here to say the analysts are, are telling us it's uh, we're kind of um, I heard David say it really the future of work. And so it's this idea of a hybrid workplace and it's really going to be the strategy moving forward. And so we wanted to kind of really lead the industry and many of the listeners of this podcast who are struggling with that question. When you think about leaders in oil and gas and the EMP sector and, and business owners and entrepreneurs alike. And they're saying, well, look, we know in order to, to retain and attract top talent, we've got to have, have kind of this future of work at mind, this hybrid workforce in place. But how do we know how employees are being productive? How do we know how engaged they are in the workplace? How do we know if they're adopting the technology that we Give them, And so that's why I invited my good friend David Powell on today because we've partnered with his firm, ProtoScore, uh, to deliver their software-based solution, um, which is essentially taking data that already exists in the environment, um, aggregating that across a client's uh, environment, running it through some algorithms, and then essentially computing back a productivity score that shows engagement that shows potential attrition uh, that shows technology adoption and so I want to hand the mic to, to my good friend and, and pal David and really talk a little bit about how protoscore is really revolution revolutionizing the employee productivity monitoring space David yeah Jason I think you know this is a hot topic in all the boardrooms is you know how do we come back and I think one of the interesting things is that every other HR issue, there's been an opportunity to call somebody and see how they handle something. So if Joanne was an executive at another company, and I could call her and say, like, hey, Joanne, I have, a, I have an employee with a substance abuse problem. How have you handled that in the past? And she could give me 
you know, guidance on how she handled that or whatever. But right now, who can you call and say, hey, how did you return to work in a technologically enabled hybrid environment after a global pandemic? Right. No one has done that. So everyone's figuring out on their own. And you really have these two competing priorities where people, the employee base wants the flexibility of working remotely and they enjoy the flexibility that that provides. The employers want accountability. Right? We need to know that the checks we're writing on the 15th and the last day of the month, we're actually getting something for that. And the only way that both people get what they want is through visibility. So if you can give the employer visibility in what their workers are doing, then they're like, great, cool. You can work from the lake, work from the mountains, work from your grandma's house, work from wherever it is you want to work. And then the employees are like, great, with some level of in- inspection, I can do that. But the company still gets what they need from an accountability standpoint. So it's a really hot topic. It's top of mind. And everyone's trying to figure it out. And we think we have a pretty good answer for that. Well, you know, I think this notion of being able to understand or monitor, measure, if you will, uh, what's going on with the uh, the employees in the oil and gas industry uh, is particularly important. I mean, if we're just honest, uh, the the last generations, whether that's millennials and the Gen Zers and whatever's going to come next, if you ask them where they would like to spend their career, oil and gas might not be their first <laughs> uh, answer for yeah. a lot of reasons. Yeah. And so I think being able to um, have the best utilization of perhaps a limited resource. I don't know that that's the case. I go talk to colleges and high schools and try to talk to, to folks and encourage them to come this way. But I think being able to interact with them differently, give them some of what they're looking for in this flexibility um, yeah. is, is really, is kind of doubly important for us. Well, I think one of the things you see, and I will just, let's just say more traditional businesses is that you're kind of like cool, edgy businesses, if you will, embrace remote work a long time ago, right? They've already had that kind of flexible environment. So now you've got some of your more traditional oriented companies trying to speed up that transition and embrace kind of this new way. And I think that some of the more traditional companies had traditional methods of management. So if Jason And Joanne, if y'all were my employees and I showed up at the office going all the way back to 1965 or wherever in Peter Drucker's book, The Effective Executive, how did you manage by walking around, right? As I'd walk around, I'd see Joanne. Hey, Joanne, how are you? And I talked to Jason and maybe I saw that Joanne got there at seven and Joanne left at seven. Maybe I saw Jason got there at nine and left at four. So instinctively, I'm like, oh, Joanne's the better employee. She got here early and stayed late. But what I don't know right? Is that you stood in the break room all day talking about Oklahoma Sooners football. And Jason (laughs) came in and put his AirPods in at nine and hammered out work straight till four, right? So I had a blunt instrument. What time did you arrive? What time do you leave as a proxy for productivity? I didn't have any data, but a tool like ours would show you that data and you would see, oh, wow, Joanne's getting here early and leaving late, but she's not really doing much while she's here. Jason is, you know, totally maximizing his time in the office and being, you know, very, very conscientious about his time. So we can give you that clarity around what that looks like. And then sometimes your more traditional managers are like, okay, if I had this level of inspection, 
then it doesn't matter if you're sitting in a cubicle outside my office or if you're at your home office, I know what's going on. And it kind of frees up the more traditional manager to embrace the new ways of work. Well, th- think about it this way too, David, even moving away from more the compliance driven big brother aspect and thinking about it more from a performance management standpoint, you talked about Jason, right? Coming in, putting his iPod, his ear pods in and working from seven to seven. How, how do you build profiles of top performers today when you're, when you talk about what you're really referring to as data driven HR, right? So how do you, you know, how do you take a tool like ProtoScore in, in instead of it maybe just being kind of a, an oversight tool, but be something more along the lines of let's profile our top performers. Yeah. Let's see who in the organization is doing the best. Well, I think that's a great question. And I think what you tend to end up with in a lot of companies is like Joanne's great and we want more Joanne's. Right. But we're but we can't quantify what makes Joanne great or what she does that's replicable to other people or trainable. Right. So I think one thing is if you were one level down from Joanne and you came to me as the manager and said, hey, Dave, I want to be like Joanne. How do I get to be like Joanne? I can pull up ProtoScore and say, well, Jason, look, here's your activity in a day. Here's her activity in a day. See how see how she starts her day early and she works in two hour chunks with an hour break in between. And she's working a little bit later in the day. She's very effective with her time. And see, Jason, you're starting a little late. and You're kind of, you know, ad hoc, a whole bunch of things. There's not a planning. There's not a rhythm to your day. So there's ways to like, from a quantitative standpoint, lay out and show your other employees what a good day looks like, right? And I think that right now that's largely kind of unknown. We just know we want more Joannes, but we don't know how to quantify what Joanne does that makes her successful and train others that way. Yeah, Yeah, it's difficult to measure this knowledge work, isn't it? Correct. Um, And so having some ability to break down that knowledge work into literal activities or tasks or decisions even, um, I, I agree. I think there's some real value there. Um, and the other thing is you you point out so well, um, David, is I think with good visibility comes more meaningful conversations. I mean, right. that's my experience just uh, in, in my years with upstream oil and gas companies is even around our equipment and the failures or the ones that were working as designed, um, having some real trusted data that we could use and reference just brought my level of conversations <clears throat> with my managers and folks just up to a totally different, you know, more right. meaningful. And so this notion of having some visibility on both sides, I think really promotes those more meaningful conversations. Well, and so, I think too, and real quick to piggyback on that in the oil and gas space, IOT has been a huge explosion in the last few years around sensors and monitoring and all of that. So the granular level of detail an oil and gas company has on all of their outside plant kind of stuff. But one of the biggest expense items on their P&L, their people, they have very little visibility into, right? So how do we take that same level of visibility and data-driven approach and apply it to one of the most expensive things on our P&L, the people? And until now, there hasn't really been a good way to do that. Yeah. Well, and, and let's- that kind of, <clears throat> Yeah. Go ahead, Jason. I was just going to say there, you know, we've talked a little bit about performance management, but there are so many other areas that this technology really adds value in an enterprise. When you think about your background, Joanne, as uh, Accenture, right? Think about the multi-million dollar solutions you were providing to a lot of these 
midsize and enterprise oil and gas firms where technology adoption was really a problem, right? And change management <clears throat> and and pushing out new technologies to a global workforce, uh, you know, it's another key area that this adds value. David, maybe talk a little bit about how, how it's uh, improving technology adoption. Yeah, I think what you see, our data shows that there's a 38% increase in productivity with ProtoScore. Now, does that mean that people are more productive? We can't necessarily stay, say that, right? Causation and um, correlation are not the same. However, what we do see is people adapting their behaviors because they know it's being monitored. So where would that play out? You know, if Jason is one, one of my sales guys and he's a very top producer, but his productivity score is low. And I'm like, well, Jason, what's, what's, what's going on with this? How are you achieving these results with a low productivity score? And he's like, oh, well, David, I don't put everything in Salesforce. I have a spreadsheet, you know, or I don't call people on the company issued, you know, platform. I text them on my cell phone. And so he's not getting credit for that activity. So when it becomes scrutinized and measured, suddenly his activity moves into the software platforms that the company's spending a whole lot of money to provide on a per person basis. And suddenly you see adoption go up because he knows it's being tracked. So now he's going to use that Ring Central or Teams call out of his phone instead of calling native off of his personal line. And so you begin to see that adoption of the software because it is being measured and tracked. Yeah. Yeah, that monitoring, I think, provides a real opportunity for leaders and managers to uh, identify alignment issues, right? And, and perhaps take steps to increase that, uh, that alignment uh, to help people understand why they should use the millions, tens of millions, hundreds <laughs> of millions uh, systems that have been out there. And Jason and I talked about this a little bit um, on an earlier conversation, but you know, I, I've absolutely been involved in uh, deployments of, of IT solutions where um, there were... They were uh, total busts, right? Yeah, it, and it was very difficult to understand, you know, why, what, what exactly was going on. And if you had the ability to say, well, part of the issue, Johan, that you're having such a difficult time getting the plant maintenance module and SAP to work is because you aren't spending any time on there. So yes, we, you know, let's get you set down, let's get you with you know, some more training or whatever, but you would have a way to even see who's actually really even giving it a shot, you know, to right. see well, if it can work. Yeah. And I'll say uh, kind of last point on this in terms of the, the value added areas you know, companies like mine are bundling in, this into our technology stack that we deploy into a client's environment, right? So it's kind of sold on a, a per user, per month type of model. So when you think about total cost ownership, and these things always have to ROI, frankly, they ROI immediately, which is why the case is so strong for it. Because even when you think about employee attrition, right? When you think about, what is it, David? I think the average workplace is what, uh, 10% or 10% <laughs> Joanne, our data shows that 10% of any employee base is only working an hour and 35 minutes a day. Oh That's my gosh. It. But so when you everybody think knows, they, they think they have some people that aren't working, but our data shows that 10% of any workforce is low productivity. And what that means from an activity standpoint is an hour and 35 minutes of trackable time. Well, and think okay. about if you can even just get the jump on attrition, right. And your internal recruiting can, 
be in a better position to attract talent or know who who they are going to have to replace if you know if you've got a, a company of a few hundred employees and you turn over let's say 300 employees and you turn over 10% that 30 employees right with the cost of overhead, cost of training, yeah, real number. right? Cost of benefits and so forth. And, and then you annualize that out. The impact to the organization is massive, right? So if you can reduce that even just a little bit, and that's the way we look at this, right? If you, it doesn't have to be justified on, on only one of the key points. If you look at small incremental changes, look, if we employ, if we improve employee attrition, uh, attrition by just a few percent and we can in- increase productivity a few percent, maybe weed out a few bad managers departmentally, right. That, that yeah. is showing up in the data and drive technology adoption to where it improves a, a few percent. You have a net cumulative gain that is significant. And that's, you know, that goes back to the conversation I had with a, with a CEO of a midstream oil and gas provider and oil field services recently where they're going to their IT department and their HR department and they're saying, look, I understand we're supposed to adopt this hybrid uh, model, this future of work concept, but how do, how do we gauge in, uh, uh, productivity? How do we know if it's working? Well, there's your answer. Yeah. And, you know, Jason, t- one thing Joanne said at the start that sticks stuck sticks out is like if you're struggling to recruit younger people in, it makes retaining your best people all the more important. And one of the things that we found is like six months ago, people were talking to us about, David, tell us who the people who aren't doing anything are so we can coach them up or coach them out. Now it is about who do we, who are we missing that's a top producer and we need to retain them. We need to focus on them. And what's happened is that, you know, if you have a revenue number, it's pretty easy to say, well, Jason generated $10 million of revenue. So we're going to keep Jason. But if Joanne is a star performer, but doesn't carry a revenue number, how do you how do you know that? How do you identify that she is a top performer inside the system in a data-driven way? And then what we're seeing a lot is that the top performers are burning out because Joanne is a great worker. She takes on more projects. Somebody says, hey, Joanne, I need you to do this. She's like, okay. Then somebody else says, hey, Joanne, I need you to do that. She says, okay. And she's drowning. But you don't see that. Whereas if you're seeing her productivity score, you would see that it's really high and your instinct is to say, good job. But really, that's non-sustainable. She's working all the time. And so then, you know, you're not too far away from her showing up at the two week notice saying, I can't do this anymore. I got to go. And now you're trying to save one of your best people. At that point, it's really kind of too late. So would you really rather have his intervention and say, hey, Joanne, you seem to be working a ton. Is everything okay? And you're like, David, they're giving me all these projects. I need to, I need somebody else to handle some of this. I can't, I just can't continue to do that. But good people don't complain. You know, kind of suffer in silence. So it's an early warning sign that you're good, who your good people are, and then are they burning out so that you can intervene earlier? Right. Yeah, because I mean, you, you, you mentioned just funny thought, David, when we talked the other day about the cheesy things oil and gas execs do to attract and retain talent, right? And you talked about, oh, they bring in the lacrosse and they put it in a ping pong table. But except, you know, now they're not in the office. So yeah. all the cool stuff is, is kind it's of hard to enjoy room. the ping pong table and the free <laughs> drinks in the break room if you're sitting at your house. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Joey, what yeah. were you about to say about that burnout point? So it, it really strikes me that what you're trying to do is to develop some leading indicators Correct. so that you can identify what's goodness 
and then perhaps also identify those gaps that are emerging. Because a point that you made, um, David, is, you know, if you identify a few folks that are working an hour a day or an hour and a half, the first question that comes to my mind is, why? Yeah. What's your manager doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And are you, is this not a good fit for you? Is there another square or block or box over there that would be better? Because, you know, when you hired on two years ago, whatever, there's there's these, these early indications that can help us all be a little more proactive when yeah. we're dealing with, with people. So I really like well, that. And the proactive part, Joanne, I think, you know, all of us have probably led large teams before. And I think one of the things that we find talking to our clients is that if you had 10 employees that you manage, the way most people manage is they sprinkle like a little bit of management across all 10 people, right? Is I'm going to have 10 30-minute one-on-ones every week with my 10 people, and I'm going to kind of manage them all this way. Well, our data would show, no, 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 no. You got one person who's about to burn out, and one person is really struggling. You know, spend two hours with each one of them, and then maybe you don't need to spend much time with the rest. So I think a lot of managers are like, where do I spend my managerial efforts? You know, I have a finite amount of time. How do I do that? And the answer that they normally just default to is just to sprinkle a little bit of management across everybody versus data telling you these are the two places to go spend your time. And then you say, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. And then go and apply yourself that way. Well, you you said it before, too, David, when you talked about gamify the results. Right. And and, you know, and bringing this back down to a discussion specific to energy, oil and gas. When we look at a David data driven workforce, how do we do that? How, How do we gamify the results? You know, thinking about what's important to this industry, right? We talked about uh, kind of flex scheduling and seasonal workers, the way they have to scale up and down with the price of oil, right? Which is really a hot topic with the current geopolitical landscape. And then you think about a global or hybrid workforce in, in this industry. T- talk maybe a little bit more because that was an interesting point you brought up about how do we gamify the results so that it's not so big brother focused, right? But yeah. more product. Well, some of the tools, some of the competitive tools out there, and they're they're early. I mean, we they've been in the market a little longer and serve a different purpose. We're kind of new school, if you will. But I think some of the old ones are like agent based. They put an agent on your computer, and if Jason, if you're part of your workflow, is you turn on concerts on YouTube in the background and listen to them all day. Well, other tools that are agent based, you're going to get a call from your manager, Jason. How come you're on YouTube for eight hours? Like, oh, it's in the background, just like having CNBC on a TV in my you know, office or something like that. So we give much more like actionable business stuff. We don't give a lot of false positives because we're tying to the API. So because it's business systems, we give you a much more business view as opposed to this kind of big brothery, you know, mouse movements and keyboard, you know, strokes. But we have found that when you show people a score, people are just innately wired to want to do it. I mean, as a total aside, my my daughter is in college and we she has Snapchat and I'm the only person she's the only person I Snapchat. Right. But we're like on a hundred and twenty three day streak. Well, why do I care what our streak is? Because somebody's counting it. Right. They're telling me there's a streak. So then I want to make sure we keep our streak going. Right. And so that's just the way people's brains are wired is if I tell you you've done something five days in a row, you want to do it a sixth. It's so kind of like show, the, it's kind of like the Alabama football team, right? How many national titles can they win in like a 10 year yeah, stretch? Half, half of them since, uh, 
2009. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the, but that's true, right? And so you show people the score and all of a sudden they want to, they want to achieve. I think the balance has to be in the company. Um, and we found this with some of our clients is that the, you can overplay that a smidge to where we give a score on a hundred point scale. And most people's brains from middle school are still wired that like a 70 is a C and an 80 is a B and they want a 90 or above. That's an A. Well, we have to kind of educate our clients that, you know, really 70 or higher is good, but that's non-sustainable, right? We really want our clients between like 40 and 70. If they're between 40 and 70, that's a productive day above 70 for a period of time is not alarming, but that like Joanne said, that's that early warning sign, like, Hey, go have a conversation. So we talk a lot about the check engine light. My daughter has an older Volvo SUV. And when the check engine light goes off recently, it went off and it was a $1,400 water pump. The time before that, the check engine light went off and it was $75 because something had wiggled loose in there. But you know, one was expensive and one was cheap. So when an, an employee has a really high score for a period or a really low score, it's just a check engine light. Not saying that this person's great, not play, saying this person needs to go. What I'm saying is that the score should tell you as a manager, this employee's check engine light's going off, go investigate, find out what's going on and apply your managerial efforts. So it gamifies it for the employee because they want to achieve the score, but it also is a benefit to the manager because it allows them to know where to put their energies. Yeah. So more than a way to automatically judge good or bad, Correct. it's a call to action. Correct. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Which, which is what we want data to do for us anyway. Right? That's right. Is help us know what we need to do, when we need to do it and where we need to do it. So I, I really like that. Um, well, well, and, and it, helps I, you call, it helps you call BS a little bit too, Joanne, is that, you know, is that if you go in and ask people what they need to be more successful, what's their answer always? I need more people. <laughs> right. Yeah. But do they, you know, and it's hard to press on them. But if you could look in ProtoScore and say, OK, they have a lot of capacity in their model. They probably don't need another person. Or you look at it and everybody in their team is like overworked. They're like, oh, well, maybe they do need some capacity. But yeah. it allows you to have a data driven, non-emotional like, ah, oh, Joanne always asks for more people. Right. You know, or whatever. Right. Or Jason takes too much pride in not asking mm. for people. Yeah. And all those people are going to quit because they're burned out. So it just gives a an emotionless data um, driven approach, which is, I think helps managers be more effective. Yeah. Well, now, now you see Joanne, why, why myself and, and, and we at avatar computer solutions are really trying to bring this to market because historically in our business, in our industry, we, we look at all the blinky lights in the back room and we provide metrics. You and I talked about this before, some of the metrics around utilization of our staff and how effective we are at resolving incidents and how quickly re we resolve incidents for our customers. And that's all well and fine in terms of how are we performing to the SLAs, but in terms of does it really add value to the business? Not really, right? But in this case, you know, when you look at all the areas that this provides value and where it impacts the organization. I just think of like office space reductions and still having pro productive staff, right? And, and a more engaged staff and it really being a benefit to let them work in a hybrid workforce. Or when you look at a reduction in replacement costs for employees, when you look at the ability to exit underperformers more quickly, better technology adoption, hell, even 
even gas expense, right? Look what that's doing uh, to the business. So this is why at Avatar we're, we're so um, focused around having the discussions around uh, productivity monitoring and employee engagement with our customers, and it's eye-opening to them. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're seeing the same. Two quick things, Jason, on that. One is that I think in the hybrid environment, you hear this conversation, if I'll give you the buzzwords real quick, is me space and we space, right? Yeah. Is that pre-pandemic, everything was we space. Everyone was in the office, right? Sitting there. And now people have enjoyed their me space, right? Is that they get, you can close the door in your home office and you're a little more private and we, everybody moved away from those private offices. So now it's this balance, right? Is that people still want their me space, but they still want some we space as well. They want the collaboration. They want to know their coworkers and enjoy being around them, but they don't need to come to the office eight to five every day. So how do you balance the me space and the we space, you know, in that? And then the data-driven piece, and y'all are very data-driven industries, um, we have a client who's a large trans, um, municipality, transportation, northeast. And when they were talking to us in the very first sales call we had with them, and now they're using us, um, their CTO said, I can tell you what time each train is going to hit the station by the second. I can tell you the temperature and the tunnel going into the city, but I can't tell you what our people did yesterday. Right. Yeah. And how, how do we have that same level of visibility in our people as we do in the other thing? And so I just think that that's a natural, a natural migration for data driven, measurement oriented companies to begin to look at their people and not in an overly scrutinized way, but in a way that, you know, like Joanne says, helps you, you know, manage who's burning out, gives you better discussions. Where do you focus your efforts? All of those things. Yeah. And so a great deal of our conversation so far has kind of focused on the benefits um, to the company or to management um, as, as they are um, using this, this tool. And I would just suggest, I think there's some real benefit to the employees as well. And you touched on it just a little bit, but if I understand correctly, all of this data is going to be visible, not only to the company managers, and but to the employee as Correct. well. And so if I consistently see that I'm working an hour a day, number one, it does provide a little BS meter right? Yeah. Even to myself, because yeah. we yeah. do that to ourselves sometimes. Um, but the other thing is it perhaps helps me understand, do I really want to be here? I mean, if I've been trying to do this and I just can't get it, maybe this is not a good fit for me either. Yeah. And, and the flip side of that is, and I mentioned this to Jason when we talked one time, one of the reasons I've become such an evangelist for technology is because I saw back in the day, a long time ago, how empowering it was to the guys that worked in the field for me who had been trying to convince me that that compressor needed replacing for a couple of years. But what was I saying? Well, they're always complaining, right? Mm -hmm. It's their job to fix this, right? But when they now had access to some data and they could come in and say, Joanne, we need to replace this and here's why, it was a whole new ballgame. Yeah. And they felt empowered and everybody won. And so I, I also kind of like this that think there's some potentially some really good benefit for the employees as well. Yeah. It might not be quickly available. Um, obvious to them, but I really think there is. 
we saw that play out with a client, um, CEOs in Chicago. There was a lady that worked for him in Nashville and she had young children. And for whatever reason, she got on the CEO's radar because she would basically stop working at three when her kids came home from school. And then she said to everyone, I get back online after the kids go to bed and work. Well, every, all of her coworkers were like, well, of course, that's what you're going to say, right? Well, so the CEO got her manager to look into it. The manager looked into it. And sure enough, you could see her productivity at three o'clock fell off a cliff. She wasn't working. But at eight o'clock from like eight to 10 every night, she was logged back in and catching up on emails and stuff. So right. it allows people to structure their day in a way that kind of works for them. Some people are early morning people. Some people are late night people. Instead of trying to like, you know, play the company theater of I'm only going to work between eight and five, you, you work at a time when you're effective. And because you had this tool, no one's going to come down on you because you weren't there at 7.30 and stay until 5.30. They know what you're doing. So it, allow, it creates a lot of freedom for the employees, I feel like. Well, it's really, to me, it's the difference between telling somebody your credit score sucks and telling somebody why your credit score sucks, right? And so, how to improve it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you talked earlier about uh, project this, that was a really good point, Joanne, about if I'm an employee and I want to know what the top performers in the organization are doing. Right. Well, then maybe it's that I need to be doing more proactive forecasting within the Salesforce CRM or not using a spreadsheet to track my activity. Right. Or yeah. leveraging the HR provided training around the modules that we sell and go to market with. Right. So yeah. it, it, it's just so many facets that it yeah. adds value in. Well, listen, this is uh, really, really fascinating stuff. Um, I think it's, it's timely, as we've said, I think I was looking yesterday on LinkedIn and there were, you know, they kind of have 10 trending stories <laughs> or something. And I think three of them, had to do with people and returning yeah. to work and not wanting to and changing jobs. And, and so I don't think there's anything that's much more timely than this. Um, I really think it's fascinating and I, I'm anxious to hear, hear more about this. Well, um, thanks. As, we, we feel we're early to market, you know, um, but it is a super hot topic. And so it's only, it's only a matter of time. We feel the market is coming this way and that the, huge expense of people not being inspected is probably something that won't persist. So, um, we're, we, we like where we are, but we're still early to market. So we appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, I, and I would much. just say too, that, you know, for every executive out there listening to the podcast that currently works with a service provider to manage their IT assets. And when they think about, am I getting, am I really getting value out of this engagement? Is this helping me to, uh, go to market faster, stronger? Is this helping me to retain more employees? And if you can't say yes across the board to those questions, then call us at Avatar. Let us come out here and, and show you what David and his company are doing for, for businesses like theirs all across the globe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I would encourage you to take a look at each of the websites and I will put a link to that in the, the uh, podcast notes. And uh, for both of you guys, and uh, really appreciate you guys being here. Best of luck to you, Jason, as you start off on this uh, new adventure. 
Thank you. And, and go uh, horns, right? Go horns. No, not go horns. No, no. Go, go Sooners. <laughs> Thank you so it, much. It, it ought to be in, we ought to do this again, like in well, about Well, I'll October, cheer for the November. Sooners over the, over the tide. So that's <laughs> roll tide, Jason. Roll tide. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, once all. again, this has been uh, Joanne Meyer here with uh, David Powell and Jason Wright. Um, for on the Digital Doers podcast, and this is on the OGGN community of podcasts, the uh, largest and most listened to oil and gas podcast in the world. And again, take a look at HPE's website, particularly Green Lake, uh, the way they are talking about bringing cloud services to you, just what you need, when you need, at a very fast speed. Um, I think it's really interesting. So take a look and you don't have to believe me. I'll also put a link to some testimonials that they have on their website on for their HPE Green Lake. Uh, so this is uh, so long until next time. Bye-bye. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.